When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted. From Packers.com, I am Mike Spofford, joined, as always, by my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, week one in Minnesota did not go as the Packers had hoped. A 23-7 loss at U.S. Bank Stadium. And for a lot of folks watching, deja vu in some respects with regard to Week one last year when the Packers did not perform well, um, losing big in week one to the New Orleans Saints. I think the biggest difference differences, I guess I would say for me in this one versus week one last year is this game to me came down to two things. One, too much Justin Jefferson, and number two, missed opportunities. Yeah, I mean, my biggest takeaway from this game was last year when they got out of Jacksonville and they lost 35-3, to I was like, whew, that, that was a beatdown. Like, <laughs> that did not, not only did it not go the way it, you wanted it to go, I, I felt just like, you know, New Orleans beat them in every phase of the game. The frustrating thing about this game at U.S. Bank Stadium was, I, I still feel like if you re-rack it, Packers could have easily won that game too. And you heard Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur both talk about it afterwards. You know, there were plays out there. The opportunities had presented themselves. Green Bay just didn't take advantage of it. Yep. Looking at the offensive side of the ball, I think one of the things that really hurt the most, and I wrote about this in Insider Inbox, is I love that play call right out of the gate. Absolutely. You know, people are wondering about Christian Watson. There's no preseason film on this kid. They send him out deep. He beats Patrick Peterson by a good three and a half yards, but then he drops the ball. And Green Bay kind of rallies a little bit. They get the running game going a little bit. But just overall, they just didn't really capitalize when they needed to. Too many sacks at impromptu times. It was going to be tough sledding. Obviously getting stuffed on fourth and one. All things are going to add up. Defensively, I don't know if I've really covered many games like this. Because Green Bay only gave up 23 points, which I understand that's still 23 points. But when you look at the first-half production that Justin Jefferson had, mm-hmm. 156 yards, two touchdowns, four plays of 20 or more yards in the first two quarters, uh, you're thinking that you know Minnesota's just rolling away with this thing. It never really got to that point. So when, when the game ended, certainly you tip your cap to Kevin O'Connell, you tip your cap to Minnesota and everything that they did to win that game. 
but for the Green Bay Packers, playing without their starting tackles, playing without their number one receiver and losing John Runyon, Green Bay stayed in this thing, but ultimately it's still a loss. Yeah, it is. It's And, and it's a tough one to swallow because, because of those missed opportunities. I mean... It, this, game, this league, these games, they always just come down to a couple plays here and there, right? And you know, and I'm not saying that if Christian Watson, Watson catches the ball and if A.J. Dillon can punch it in on fourth and goal from the one, or if, as Aaron Rodgers said, he lamented afterward, if he had pulled back the handoff, he had a walk-in touchdown because Zadarius Smith was crashing so hard from the outside. If uh, the quarterback takes his own option there, um, they would have had no way to stop it. But if those two plays go Green Bay's way, we're looking at a completely different game. Now, Minnesota maybe still wins anyway. But even with all that said, and with as much as they had all kinds of trouble handling Justin Jefferson, and I know fans are asking, like, why wasn't Jair Alexander matched up on him, et cetera, et cetera. You can watch Matt LaFleur's press conference from Monday. I wrote about it on the website Monday night, the explanation for why the Packers did what they did. It didn't work. Nobody's saying it worked. Matt LaFleur was giving the uh, the rationale for why they went about it the way they did. We'll see what happens 15 weeks from now when these two teams meet again. But for all of the trouble that they had, and as you mentioned, the big plays that Justin Jefferson had, there was a moment in the second half here where this game, it's 20-7, to and the Packers have a first down. I want to say it was somewhere near midfield. 46, I think. Yeah, yeah. Clo- close to midfield with you know early fourth quarter, I want to say at that point, with plenty of time on the clock where you're thinking, boy, of everything that's gone wrong, if you can put together this drive here and get the game to 20-14, to 14, you, know, you can try to forget about all that other stuff, but they still couldn't put it together it was just it was it was a game of fits and starts for the Packers offense and and for that matter for the Packers defense as well there were some there were some really good moments but the big explosive plays particularly with with Justin Jefferson those are just gonna those are just gonna kill you in the long haul because they're so hard to rebound from they're so hard to come back from and ultimately it was just it was just too much for the Packers to overcome yeah and I think probably the maddening thing at the beginning of that fourth quarter is Daniil Hunter gets the sack of Rodgers so they're facing second and 19 but they actually were able to work their way through it there's a coverage breakdown on Minnesota's behalf you basically have Romeo Dobbs just standing there waiting for a pass they get that for 23 yards one of their biggest plays of the day in the in the passing game yeah and, and I thought that would have been a good opportunity. That's where they got to about midfield, Green Bay's 48. I thought that would have been a good time to really reset with the running game. And again, all this stuff is hindsight being 20-20, but right. that, that seven-play, 75-yard drive that they had before that, that got them on the board finally with the two-yard A.J. Dillon touchdown run, that is what reminded me of what this Green Bay Packers offense, really on paper, we thought it was going to be and probably will still be at this point. 75 yards, 46 of those come through Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon mentioned even at that point that, that Jones breaks off that 29-yard run. He's pushing through everybody, his guys, their guys, yeah. referees. The guys, go, you know, he's rumbling, stumbling fum- all the way right down the field. And Jones and Dillon said to him, he's like, you just electric, you know, jolted our entire roster. Yeah. And the, the game was different offensively for Green Bay after that, but – Green Bay didn't get back to the running game. Jones only carried it five times, and that was one of the things that Matt LaFleur really lamented. On the other side of the field, Delvin Cook wasn't nearly as dynamic, but he was able to put them in first down, second down, favorable situations, and then really Kirk Cousins just took it from there. 
Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. You know, hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, well, the you mentioned you mentioned the running backs and – you look at this game, Jones and Dillon combined rushing and receiving yards combined 167 yards. They were a big part of this Packers offense. But after the game, both the head coach and the quarterback were like, they weren't a big enough part. They need they needed to be a bigger part. This And we talked about it through the offseason, through training camp. We're really expecting, especially in the early going, for more of the offense to, um, to go through Jones and Dillon. Now, the way the game started with the Vikings marching right down and getting a touchdown, and then Christian Watson dropping the ball, you know, and you're in you're in that crazy dome and all the noise and everything, and you're just, you're trying to find something to, to to get things going. There was a lot of there was a lot of frustration and whatnot going on there, but the Packers recognize that Jones and Dillon are really, really dynamic playmakers. And the more they can get them involved, they, they combined for 23 touches. And I think, you know, I don't want to put a number on, on Matt LaFleur here, but I think we're going to see a target of more towards like 30 or even 35 potentially in some games, depending on how many offensive plays you run. Because they showed, even as much as Minnesota was in control of the football game, they showed that they can churn out the yards and move the chains, and I think that's the thing here that uh, that the Packers are going to are going to have to hang their hat on as this offense finds its footing. Aaron Rodgers, you know, talked about a lot of mental mistakes across the board, and he was talking about offensive linemen, talking about some of the young receivers, and he, you know, took the blame for some of his own mistakes, missed throws, bad decision to throw the jump ball to Cobb that got picked off. So there there were mistakes all across the board. The mental mistakes were the most frustrating for Rodgers. And I think as the Packers work through this stuff in the early season, it has to be it has to be Jones and Dylan that carry the load and to and to just keep everything settled down and uh, and not get so crazy and desperate so to speak because that's the way it always feels in that stadium right when you get behind things get crazy and it feels desperate because the atmosphere in that place is unlike any other and I think in 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 some respects the Packers got away from really what uh, what this offense can do best right now it's a self-fulfilling prophecy if you allow Minnesota to get momentum that's not just Green Bay that goes for any team that goes into U.S. Bank Stadium because you know whether it's the the noise level whether it's the the game entertainment stuff they do whether it's the jumbotron putting Zadarius Smith on the screen every three seconds 
they're going to find ways to, to really get their guys going and keep them motivated. So you need to be able to control that early on. The one part of this, and, and it goes back, you know, because people want to make that lazy comparison to last year with the Saints. I, I feel a lot better about where Green Bay is at right now coming out of this game than honestly I did last year coming out of New Orleans. Because that game, you're just wondering what happened offensively, defensively, everything in between, because yeah. that was a first-year coordinator. You weren't sure what was going to be going down. I would have been more discouraged in this game had the Packers given 30, 35 touches to Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, and they weren't able to have production. But as it turns out, both of those guys together averaging 6.2 yards per carry, you saw what this offense can do with them out of the backfield. I mean, I'll tell you this right now, Mike, some of those passes to both sides of the field, it shows you that when those guys are given the opportunity to be free in space, you don't need to be Aaron Jones with his explosiveness and, and all that stuff. A.J. Dillon was very successful out there, too, with the more power-running style. That's where I think it, it's not just about, okay, they won or lost or they whatever, how this went. It was about the fact that when Green Bay went to those packages, the two-back stuff, mixing and matching them, it worked. And I think that's probably something they have to feel pretty good about now going into this game against the Bears. Yeah, I think a couple of other positives that are worth pointing out here from this game. The return of... Robert Tunyon to yeah. the offense. And we saw what on what appeared to be maybe a rep count, so to speak, because with him coming back from the knee injury, because he wasn't out there for all the snaps. But even in a limited number of reps, he was impactful. He made he made a handful of uh, a very impactful plays. And the other was I, I thought until unfortunately he left with a shoulder injury, but a very solid debut for rookie first round pick Quay Walker in this defense. Sort of went from a good news, bad news back to a good news thing in that, you know, he had eight tackles before he had to leave with a shoulder injury, but then we heard from Matt LaFleur, it doesn't sound like the shoulder injury is anything serious, even to the to the point that LaFleur is giving Walker a chance to be able to play right away again this coming Sunday against the Bears. So um, those were a couple positives. And also, you mentioned losing John Runyon on the offensive line. He was uh, taken out of the game to be evaluated for a concussion. Zach Tom, the rookie fourth-round pick from Wake Forest, went in. I thought he played pretty solid for a rookie not having been in an NFL game. He's played all kinds of positions across the front. He got thrown into um, the left guard spot uh, cold off the bench and uh, and held his own just fine. And I have several... Um, video clips in my What You Might Have Missed piece on the website if you want to check out some of those with regard to Tom. So there are, there are, some, there are some little nuggets you can, you can pull out of this game that, uh, that will see exactly um, you know, where this goes and, and how the Packers potentially build on some of those things. The maddening part about that defense performance is Justin Jefferson getting way too open, having way too much leeway, and being able to hurt the Packers after the catch, right? It wasn't just his, where he caught right. the ball. It's what he did with the ball when it was in his hands. But conversely, when I mentioned the maddening part is, a lot of the defense was see ball, hit ball, ball carrier goes down. Whether it was Quay Walker, you know, working both sidelines, whether it was, you know, Rasul Douglas, the coverage, you know, things, you know, and breakdowns notwithstanding, Rasul Douglas, Keyshawn Nixon on his only defensive snap, getting the ball carrier down to force a punting situation. The Packers, for, for all the questions going in about not playing the preseason, the Packers tackled pretty well in this game. Yeah. 
The major point of emphasis, I think, going into this game against the Bears now, and the running back won't be nearly as dynamic, the weapons won't be as dynamic uh, in this matchup as they were at US Bank Stadium is, on early downs, you got to get the ball carrier down two, three yards from the line of scrimmage. And then once you, you know, you're in those third and passing situations, making sure that your coverages are, are where they need to be. Because that's really, in my opinion, the only, where, the only area where Green Bay really did fall short because they got eight hits on Kirk Cousins. And the way he throws the ball, it's not going to be easy to get him down to the turf. They did a lot of things right, but it was the things they did wrong were a pretty big scale. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the Bears are coming up here week two. I want to get to that um, in just a second. But first, some sponsor business. Sirius XM NFL Radio delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24-7, 365. And at Cousin Subs, we have something for everyone. Like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries, and creamy shakes, all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl. Cousin Subs, 50 years of better. The Chicago Bears will be coming into Lambeau Field for a primetime game. I believe this is now going to be, is it the 17th consecutive year? So. The Bears and the Packers. I didn't Packers. get the dope sheet yet, but it's been yeah, quite a few. I believe it's 17 in a row. 17 years in a row, the Packers and Bears will be playing a primetime game. This one will be the home opener for Green Bay, Lambeau Field, Sunday Night Football. And the Bears are coming in a surprising 1-0. Although I'll say this, that when I saw what the weather was doing in Chicago on Sunday, suddenly, I mean, that game, Bears and 49ers, it was all bets are off because that, that field turned into a swamp, a quagmire. It, you know, game plans and everything else just get thrown out the window. It's a, it's a matter of it's a matter of survival, protect the football, make the plays you can. And at the end of the day, the Bears made a heck of a lot more on both sides of the ball than the 49ers did. And Chicago's going to come to Lambeau Field at 1-0. Yeah, I mean, the, the Bears just didn't make mistakes and in San Francisco did. That's really what this came down to. And in a game like that, when you do fall behind and you can't really trust the passing game anymore, uh, that's when all the... You know, the balls kind of get thrown up in the air. The one thing I took away from this game, Mike, especially after watching some of the highlights of it, because this is going to come off as a diss, and I don't want it to come off that way. The way they ran their offense with Justin Fields reminded me a lot of what Mitchell Trubisky did in 2018, which is where it's not a traditional passing offense. They didn't necessarily have a very good day on the ground, but they found ways to move the football enough while leaning on their defense to get stops. That, in a lot of ways, I think is really the recipe here for Fields coming that's, out. That's of how game. the Bears won the NFC North in 2018. That is exactly games. what that is exactly what they did yeah. that that entire season. Uh, that that formula that you just mentioned. Yeah, and in Fields, you know, wasn't overly dynamic as a runner, but I just felt like you saw. Just watch any of the clips on any of the websites. Go to NFL.com. You see the way guys rallied around him. There was an energy with that football team and with those fans that were there mm -hmm. uh, during that monsoon. So they're going to come in, as Matt LaFleur said, they're going to be feeling pretty good about themselves and feeling like Matt Eberflus and the direction they're heading is in a good direction. But that being said, we need to remember when you look at where these power rankings were at the beginning of the season, the fact that not a lot of people were standing behind the Bears here. There still, in my opinion, is a very big discrepancy between the two talent levels of this team, certainly from an experience standpoint. Now, you can't rest on that. You have to perform. But I think the key for Green Bay really was making sure on Monday 
okay, here's everything we did wrong. Here's everything we need to change to be able to get to be the team we want and understanding that you're going to be facing a different type of opponent on Sunday night and you're going to be doing it in front of your home opening crowd. Yeah, I think the Packers, with everything that went wrong in Minnesota, I think the Packers are good. The, the, the message this week for the Packers, and this is, this is, as you said, it's not a diss against the Bears, but it's where the Packers are right now. This game coming up Sunday night is not going to be about what the Bears do. It's going to be about yes. the Packers getting back to doing what they do well. They know they had coverage breakdowns and miscommunications and stuff that that aren't that aren't acceptable and are very very frustrating. And you know they had the mental mental mistakes as well as physical mistakes on offense that cost them. The Packers are going to f- go into this week feeling like if they clean up their own house, so to speak. And you're playing at home in prime time in front of uh, in, in front of your own fans, that uh, um, that they should be able to take care of business here, and and uh, um, and that's that's not a knock against the Bears at all. But this this Bears team is going to come into Lambeau Field fired up. Their new their new head coach is one and zero, and he's like, all right, you know, let's let's ride this as long as we can. Yeah, and that's why you do have to throw out all of those power rankings, everything, because when you have a guy like Fields, that guys are energized about. And let's give the young man credit. In a game of these young quarterbacks, he made plays Trey Lance didn't. Yep. And that's why the Bears ultimately won. They controlled their own destiny. And when you saw when they had that nine-point lead in the fourth quarter, what they were able to do with it and how the tempo of the game changed. And, and realistically, I said it from day one, Mike, the first unscripted we did, the Bears are going to go as far as this young man takes them. He, they really are. And, and for them to get that win out of the gate, when I think a lot of people were counting them out against the San Francisco team that has huge expectations for this season – That's going to definitely be a feather in their cap that's going to give them some swagger going into this matchup. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Yeah, well, aside from the quagmire at Soldier Field, there was a lot of other wild and wacky stuff going on in week one. In week one in the NFL, which always happens on uh, the season opening weekend every year. We saw um, the Lions lose in what turned into a shootout at Ford Field against the Eagles, a team that is now very much um, the favorite in the NFC East with, uh, with Dak Prescott dealing with uh, thumb surgery for the Cowboys. There was the overtime kicking craziness in Cincinnati. Where have we seen that before, right? Um, yeah. And, uh, and also in that game, you had another, uh, a significant injury to, uh, to T.J. Watt from the Pittsburgh Steelers and, and the prognosis there with the pectoral muscle somewhat up in the air. And then on Monday night, you had Russell Wilson going back into that noisy stadium in Seattle and somehow was unable to get a touchdown in the red zone as the Broncos just blew chance after chance in close by the goal line. And then the game came down to a 64-yard field goal that barely missed from Brandon McManus and all kinds of controversy over Nathaniel Hackett's decision there and, and uh, on the fourth and five and trying the, the monster field goal instead. Um, but 
pretty much par for the course for week one in the NFL, right? I mean, there's, yeah. there's the, the, these are the way the, the storylines of, of seasons begin all the time. Well, and like, let's be honest, too. I mean, you never can really – it's never too early to talk about playoffs, right? Uh, people love to do that. And from an NFC perspective, if you're the Packers, this is the way you want to see it work out. I mean, Buffalo trounced the L.A. Rams. I mean, Josh Allen just destroyed them. And then you look at Cleveland beating Carolina. I mean, like uh, Kansas City, we were talking about that matchup yeah, last week against yeah. Arizona. Ar- Arizona no got contest. blown out, yeah. So in, in terms of it being able to help Green Bay, for the most part, uh, the AFC took care of business. The, the biggest thing I thought was very interesting uh, was the amount of strange endings to these games. You know, yeah. whether it was, you know, even, you know, Houston and, and Indianapolis. You know, Indianapolis scores 17 points in the fourth quarter to tie that game. Uh, th- so many crazy things happened. Well, the uh, big comeback by New Orleans against absolutely. Atlanta, too. So I, be- I believe that was 17 points in the fourth quarter by Jameis Winston and the Saints, if I'm not mistaken. Absolutely. So, pull that one out. you know, and, and this is the way it's going to go in week one. New England, you know, the, the storied history there of Bill Belichick going down to Miami. I mean, so <laughs> many things uh, sort of lined up. But but certainly, when you look at the the I don't want to call them the blood rivalries, but I mean like the the really heated, not even heated, but like the ones that got built up to be the big matchups, right? Yeah. They all kind of lived up to the billing with with Russell Wilson. For whatever happened with Nathaniel Hackett at the end of that game, Russell Wilson, you know, going back to what I will still refer to as CenturyLink. I know yeah. it's Lumen Field now or whatever, but yeah. it's still CenturyLink to me, darn it. Uh, you know, Cleveland and Carolina, Baker Mayfield making it interesting at the end. I felt like from a pure entertainment standpoint, week one definitely lived up to the hype. Yeah, there's no there's no question about it. And uh, we will talk more about week two matchups and what's on the docket and more about the Chicago Bears, the Packers week two opponent on our next show. But for now, we're going to call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. For Wes, I'm Mike. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next time. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.